Tov. Okay. Today's daf is Nun 50. Joe, welcome back. It's so good to see you. Here, we, we have a seat right for you here, Joe, right here. What? Okay. All right. So we pick up on daf Mem Teramud Bet. And um, we're dealing with the whole issue about the uh, tikkun olam around a uh, about collecting from grade A or grade B or grade C property. Um, and the uh, Mishnah said that for Aksuva, she would collect from Ziboris, grade C. And the reason given is to essentially incentivize the men uh, to get married. That they're already that they're providing all these protections for their wives and their Aksuva. We have to make it more manageable, but. There was a position of Marzutra who said that that really is not true, that really the limiting of Aksuva from Ziboris is actually only when she's collecting from from Yasomim, from orphans, where any way normally somebody would do it from Ziboris, uh, but that when she was collecting from the husband himself, it was a case of divorce, it would be from Benonis, it would be from grade B. Okay, so the Gemara is trying to prove this one way or another, because it's a very limited read of the Mishnah, it's a very hard read of the Mishnah. Anyway, in the middle of this discussion, without reviewing the point we made uh, yesterday, although it's going to lead to a digression today, but um, one explanation of a particular bright uh, was that it was talking about not collecting from the orphans themselves, which would have been from Ziborit, which would have been, right, for, um, right, not collecting from the orphans themselves, but from collecting from a Arev, from a uh, guarantor, and that's a way that we dealt with one of the, um, with, uh, with a way of dealing with the Mishnah that seemed to uh, be a challenge on this position. So within that context about collecting from a guarantor, we pick up at the bottom of Menterim Bet. So let's take a look. Um, it says like this. Uh, yes. Is there yes, and we're going to discuss that right now. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. The tape book lay four lines from the bottom on Menterim Bet. The tape book lay the Arev Diksuva Lo So one minute. You can't say that our Mishnah, and I'm not going to go, go through again exactly why we had to say this was the explanation of the Mishnah, but you can't say that our Mishnah is talking about not collecting from the person himself but from collecting from a, a guarantor because um, a guarantor of a, uh, of a ksuva is not, does not actually become obligated to pay. Why not? Because normally when I guarantee a loan I'm saying to him look you won't lend him the money. I will guarantee it. I will co-sign as a guarantor and therefore you will, and therefore lend him the money. So since basically because I agreed to guarantee the loan you actually took money and out of your pocket and gave it to him and he accepted it and all that was based on my promise and my, gar- and my being a guarantor that obligates me okay that sort of creates a sense of I'm indebted like it's as if I accepted the money and so on but by Iksuva no money comes out of anybody's pocket by Iksuva it's promising without actually giving money right it's not like the wife gives money and the husband promises to give it back the husband just obligates himself in the abstract so since he's actually nobody's actually transferring money on my say-so, you lack the mechanism and you lack the gemardas for me as the guarantor to obligate myself. Okay, so you could say, well, they're agreeing to get married on my say-so, but we presume they probably would have got married anyway, that that's not exactly the, the specific obligation of the ksuva, right, is not, you know, is, uh, has to be part, it's part of the larger package of the marriage, and that's not sort of seen as something that sort of I am taking responsibility for. So therefore, the opinion, the position is that if I just promise to guarantee a loan, that technically doesn't really obligate me. So the Gemara says, how can we therefore be talking about a case of an, I mean, not of a loan, of, I, I, I promise to guarantee a ksuva that doesn't obligate me, because no money actually... Really wouldn't, you're saying, do it unless I guarantee Right, right, you're not going to lend him the money. And I say, I'm guaranteeing it, so fine, so you give him the money, and he accepts the money, and all that's on my word. That obligates me. But a ksuva is just part of a larger package of a marriage, right, and we and even if it's true, you wouldn't have gotten married had it not been guaranteed, which could theoretically be the case, but the actual local obligation of the ksuva is not something that's taking place on my words. It's not part of actually, you know, money isn't being handed over on my words. So therefore, an RA for ksuva does not, it does not obligate himself. Does the line literally say the, the, the holdings of a ksuva cannot be leaned through a guarantor? So no, no. And there? somebody who takes, who becomes a guarantor on a ksuva does not become indebted, does not become, his property does not become encumbered, he does not uh, become, indebted. become indebted. Right, okay. okay. So the 
Gmar, so how can you say the Mishnah is talking about a case of an Arev, and that's the case of the Mishnah? So it says the Kablan, and a Kablan, which nowadays in modern Hebrew, a Kablan is a, uh, is a contractor, right? The guy you hire to build your house or something. But a Kablan is, from the word the Kabel, to accept, means that it's somebody that actually money changed hands. Now, how does money change hands in the case of a Ksuva? So basically, here's the way we would get the money to change hands. Um, Rashi spells it out. Rashi says, so basically, I'm saying to this woman I'm planning on marrying, look, here is a prepayment of the money for the ksuva. Okay? Here it is, a satchel, a briefcase filled with $50,000. Okay, we were just learning uh, Kiddushin in, uh, in Morning Seder, and we figured out based on the current price of silver that the current ksuva is because ksuva now is 200 zakukim, which is a lot more than 200 zuz. So 200 zukukim is now $27,000. 200 zuz, on the other hand, right now, is about, depending on how you figure it, either about $500 or $75. So, okay, <laughs> which is why we've upped the value of a ksuva. Anyway, so I take this briefcase of $50,000, let's say I gave a nice tosefet, and I give it to my wife, and I say, here, hold on to this. This is a prepayment for your ksuva. Okay, now... Um, my, now this is all part of a little ritual we're doing in order to allow Michael to be the guarantor okay because my wife is only this woman's only going to agree to marry me if Michael's the guarantor but here's how we arrange it that he can accept that obligation I ga- give it to her she basically says fine I am giving this money back to you now and it'll just be a debt right? because you've already sort of prepaid it I'm giving it back to you it'll be a debt but rather than giving it straight back to me Michael says yeah give it to me and I'll guarantee the loan so she gives it to Michael Michael now has accepted that money. He's a kablan. He actually took the money. He's guaranteed the loan. And then Michael gives it to me. Okay, but now Michael, because he accepted that money, really does become... An, uh, uh, no, gives me right now. We're all going through a little ritual here, but it's a ritual that makes you the one to have received the money so that it, that makes you indebted now. So that will trace that If you lose it, I'm, I'm out if you don't pay her. Yeah, her. yeah. But that's what it means to be a kablan. Okay? So a kablan is opposed to an array. Now, in a normal loan, what that would be is that the, that the creditor rather than giving the money straight to me would actually give the money to Michael Mike says look Michael you want to guarantee that loan I'm lending you the money I don't trust Dove I'm lending you the money you're the one that takes money you want to give it to Dove that's your business but you're the one who's accepting the debt for, the, for Dove okay and there's even some opinions by the way that because a cobbler is the one that directly receives the money that the creditor can go straight to Michael without even first trying to even to collect from me okay so Tosa tries to work that out all right. What? Yeah, I mean, because obviously I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to pay, but you know, but he's entitled to go anyway. But we're not going to worry about that, okay? So it's a case of a kablan, and that's how we can say the mission is talking about a ksuva that um, that is being collected not from the principal but from somebody else, because even though ksuva normally an arev isn't indebted, this is a scenario of a kablan. So the Gemara says, "Hanicha l'mandamar kablan afagav delesle nichtevulove mishtabe shapir." So according to the approach that says that a kablan can become obligated even if the lova has no property because presumably we assume that if the nova, lova has no property now in one way you could say more reason to think the kablan's obligating himself because it's clear that he's going to be the one to pay up but you could also say that it's sort of like it gets to the point of asmachta you know, like it's so clear like I'm only going to be a kablan because I'm assuming that I'm playing the role of a backup right so if this guy has no money to play and I'm not a backup I'm the one definitely going to go to uh, somewhat ironically there's an opinion that that I'm less obligating myself because then clearly I'm just I'm just asking you to do a favor and lend the guy money because like you know I, it, it's like I'm not because uh, there's no it's not reasonable that you're actually um, gonna he's ever gonna, he's gonna really pay he doesn't have any money on him so I don't know I don't really get it but somehow if the guy has no money it's so much it's it, it, it's such an obligation a big obligation that I'm accepting upon myself that it's seen as maybe I don't have Gamar Das for it so if you say that a so if you so it's, a, it's less likely a Kablan obligates himself when the creditor when the, when the debtor doesn't have any money himself so if you say that's the case then I can understand the woman's coming to collect her ksufa um, and uh, she can't collect it from the uh, orphans um, and she goes to this person who was the Arev that's how we set up the scenario Ella the Kablan only 
obligates himself if the original debtor has money to pay up. So Gemara says, I don't understand the scenario that the woman is going to the Koblin. Let her go to the orphans, because it was only a scenario where the person had money anyway. So Michael and Amar, what can you say? So Gemara says, so that, now that's a silly question in a way, because that, so then ask every single case, whoever needs a Koblin. If a Koblin only obligates himself when the original debtor has money, why is, what's the Koblin's role? And there's an obvious answer. What's the obvious answer? What's the Koblin's role if a Koblin can only obligate himself when the original debtor had money at the time of the loan? Well, if he doesn't have money later, right? So that's what Gemara says. Anyway, but the Havuay, he started. He had property, but it got swamped or whatever, and it's not enough to pay the loan now. Okay, so this allows us to establish that the case again in the Mishnah. We are trying to say the Mishnah where the where the woman was coming to collect her ksuva was the case where she was coming to collect it from this guarantor. So what's the scenario that she can collect her ksuva from a guarantor? A, he's a kablan, he's not just an arrays, and B, the guy guaranteed the loan when the person had property that allows the guarantee to be binding, and now the woman's coming to collect and the property no longer is of sufficient value and therefore she's now collecting from the guarantor. That, that's the whole point of a guarantor. So I, can't I understand, which is what was bizarre about the question. Since it said that the scenario was was the person guaranteeing the loan was the Chosen's father, so even though normally a guarantor might not obligate himself if the original debtor doesn't have any funds, but if it's the father, the father is willing to obligate himself to his son more than a normal guarantor. Okay, so all of that was quite, uh, I don't know if it's confusing, but it like brought in a whole other area that we haven't even been really oriented to. This idea of guaranteeing a loan in order to explain the Mishnah. And I thought it was also the, okay. the level property, right? Benonese and whatever it is. Yeah, but we're bracketing that for a That was in order to deal with the problem of the Mishnah, but now we're digressing to talk about a scenario of a guarantor. Okay, so because the Mishnah created a problem for us to talk about collecting the mo- loan directly from the principal, um, we shifted it to, meaning the principal borrower, we shifted it to, or the the debtor. We shifted it to a case of a guarantor and then to explain how that works, we created a coblin and all these types of scenarios to allow us to collect not from the person himself. Now, because we're dealing with this digression, we're going to continue with this for a little bit. As we said, a simple guarantor of Iksuva, because no money changed hands, does not obligate himself. So if he says, yeah, get married, to, you know, I say to the colleague, get married to him, he's a good guy, don't worry, I'll pay the Iksuva if he doesn't have the money. I'm just be, I'm, it's, it's words, I'm being I'm encouraging her to get married, but technically, that's not what the marriage is about, and no money changed hands, and I don't obligate myself. Coblin debacle. The other extreme is a coblin of a loan. So on the one hand, money changed hands. So more the reason I do I would obligate myself. And B, not only does money change hands, I was the one that first. I, the guarantor, the coblin was the one that first received the money, and then I handed it over to the debtor. Okay, so that's two factors to make it more of an obligation. Number one, the creditor actually gave that money based on my word, and number two, I actually took the money first and then handed it over. Okay, so you get it? The Ksuva has two weaknesses. No money changed hands and it was an arrays and, uh, you know, I just, you know, it was just a simple case of a guarantor. Coblin of a, of, of, of a loan has two, has two strengths. Number one is money actually was given on my word and number two, I was actually the one to have received it first. So everybody agrees that does create a, an, indebted, an indebtedure. You know, that does obligate me. Here's, now, when you have only one of those two factors, that's less clear. Arev Zabalchov, money changed hands. I said, lend the guy money on my word, on my say-so. So, okay, money changed hands. Maybe that, on my word, maybe that should obligate me. But I never actually received the money. Okay, so that's one aspect. The Kabbalin, that's one thing that has one positive factor to obligate me, but not both. Or Kabbalin Dixuva. A Kabbalin of Aksuva, where is, it was Aksuva, so ultimately, no real debt was incurred, right? Remember I said we went through this ritual, you know, the, the, the Chosen gave the money to the Kala, the Kala gave it to the Kabbalin, the Kabbalin gave it back to the Chosen. So in the end, right, nobody wound up with less money than they started with. Okay, so that's, um, that's 
a weak point about it. But the, the thing that makes it more of an obligation is that actually the Kabbalah received some money at, in the process. Is just a Kenyan, like it was a pen? Or it has to um, Rashi understands, Rashi understands that he's actually Makabel the money itself, okay? I haven't, I, I would have to review that. I mean, Tosus refers to other p- okay. p- parameters of what makes the Kabbalah, but that's the way Rashi describes it. So a Kabbalah of a Ksuva has one positive factor to obligate me, money changed, not money was given directly to the Koblin, but it has, does have one weakness. The weakness is, is that in the end, nobody really is out any money right now, as opposed to a, a, a loan where somebody is right now out some money. Okay? So in that case, Ekel, um, uh, um, Pligi, that's a debate. Ekel Mandamar Afagav Dulesle Nichse Lulove Mishtabed. Some say, there, there, there are cases where you do, in de- where you, those cases, those middle cases, you can obligate yourself as an Arevar Kablin. But the question is, maybe not in all scenarios. So, but you can obligate yourself in those middle cases. But some say that even if the Loba has no money, you can obligate yourself. The Eagle some say, um, if the Loba has money, you obligate yourself. If he doesn't, you don't obligate yourself. Now again, you ask me, it's a little ironic, right? If the Loba doesn't have money, all the more I know you're coming to me, all the more I should be obligating myself, but it seems to be that at a certain stage, if he's that, maybe that's seen as like a, as like an asmachta, <laughs> stupid and asmachta. Like I can't be really serious because why would I ever directly be obligating myself? I'm not just making my. I'm really just want to make myself a backup. So anyway, somehow that seems as like too extreme. Okay, so in those middle cases, it's debated whether I obligate myself even if a lovet doesn't have any money at the time. The hilchas and the is bekulu in all the cases. Even if the love has no money, I obligate myself when you have one of those two, at least one of those two factors, either Kablin or Balchov. But the one case is Bar Me'arev Diksuva. When you have neither of those factors, both it's an Arev, so he never received any money, and it's a Ksuva, so nobody was, you know, without any money in the exchange. When you have neither of those factors, in that case, the Avagav the Islay Lo Mishtabed. That in that case, even if the love has money, right, you do not obligate yourself. When it doesn't have either factor of Koblin or Balchov, then there's no obligation is incurred. My time, why, now why is it? Mitzvah David, below midi chasra, you were just doing a mitzvah, you were helping this couple get married. Misleading the Kabbalah? Yeah, no, not misleading, but like, you know, people make these promises in a way, it's a promise, it's not a financial, it doesn't incur a legal debt. Okay, it's a moral obligation. You're saying it because you're trying to help the couple get married, you're making a promise, you're helping them do a mitzvah, but because no money was ever spent at that time, no money was given over on your say-so, it does not become a legally binding obligation. Yeah, there's still a moral obligation, presumably. Now, Tosos points out, now this idea that it's a mitzvah is a new idea thrown in. Because until now, all we were saying was, nobody spent any money and you didn't receive any money. How does mitzvah is, is, is Mitzvah just trying to explain what the psychology was? Or is that part of the uh, legal thought here? So look at Tosvos. Mitzvah David below midi Tosvos says, Tarti b'inen. It's only when both are true that you don't incur an obligation. If you're the Arev and it's not motivated by doing a Mitzvah, what would be that scenario? The lo even if no money was uh, was lost, was was out of pocket, for example, we already had the chuppah. So you, there was nothing motivating you to say, come on guys, you love each other, get married, don't worry, I'll promise it. Then you would have been doing a mitzvah. But we already got married. And then, and then after we're married, I'm saying, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm having sex, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bothered here, I'm, not, I'm afraid my suit won't ever get paid up. And Michael comes along, I'm the call on this scenario, and Michael comes along and says, don't worry, I'll guarantee it. So you're not doing a mitzvah, we're already married. So in that case, where you're making the promise, and it's not, we can't explain that what's motivating you is just to, to encourage us to get married, what? just to do the mitzvah. Well, maybe, except if the wife is the one that's having second thoughts, it doesn't do any good since the husband is the one that divorces. So in that case, thank you so much, Lena. In that case, it's seen as that I really am obligating myself, even though no money changed hands. So it says, Oh, which is obvious, if you are doing a mitzvah, but actually money did change hands. In those cases, the second case was obvious. But what was more interesting was the first point of Tosos, that until now we haven't been mentioning the mitzvah factor. But since the Gemara threw it in in the end, 
to explain why are you making this promise? Well, you're trying to help them get married. When that's not the scenario, in the end the Gemara says, even though no money changed hands and nobody was out any money, your word was an, is enough to obligate yourself. I would, I would say that's very questionable from the Gemara. I under, whatever, it doesn't matter. I would just say that that's questionable. It seems until that line in the Gemara that I needed something concretely to happen to create that sense of me being legally indebted. Right? I needed you to actually lend the money because of my word. I needed to take the money. I needed to do something that was going to create that real sense of a legal debt. Okay? And according to Tosvos, just stomp the promise after the fact is enough to create it, which is a big chiddush, I think. It's not a knas. No, it's a question of what is enough to create a legal, that legal obligation. Okay, so the message says like this. I'm a Ravina, Tashma. Now, we finally, after that complicated uh, digression into the land of Arev and Kablin, we get back to this question of whether the debate about Aksuva, whether it's grade C or grade B, are we talking only about the heirs, the orphans, or even directly from the from the uh, from the uh, husband. And we finally resolve it by a very simple point about the reason that was given for this for this halacha. Okay, so let's take a look. Tashma, mekara, the takantin. From the very beginning of the reason we made the takana, the explanation for this takana, that it was grade C. What was the reason we said that Aksu was collected from grade C? We said the reason was because was women are more eager to get married than men. We have to incentivize men to get married. Married, okay, and if that's the reason it's about incentivizing men to get married, obviously we're not talking about collecting from the orphans. That's not what's holding me back. I would know that anyway. If you're going to collect from my orphans, it'll be grade C, right? And that's not what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about money I might have to pay out. If the only issue of grade C is from the orphans, the reason of collecting grade C is because of protecting the orphans. It's not to incentivize me to get married. So finally, after that whole long, complicated discussion, we said, of course we're not dealing with it's just being from the orphans. Because we explained that the whole reason for this idea of grade C was to incentivize men to get married. So we're talking about when the wife is collecting directly from the man. That the man is only going to have to give grade C. Okay? So that's the discussion around Ksuvah Isha. On the one hand, all of Masechus Ksuvot is all about these protections that are afforded to the woman during the marriage. Ongoing responsibilities as the marriage it terminates because of divorce or death, she gets this lump sum payment, all of these protections, but sort of it's all a balancing act. Yes, we want to give the woman all these protections, but we can't make it so onerous that people are going to, like, you know, and we might think it's silly, you don't have to incentivize people, but you do have to incentivize people, you know, and uh, people sometimes will push off getting married for a few years and so on, you know, they did all these things about the shidduch crisis, they found out that uh, that uh, it's all based on demographics, it's all based on the fact that because in uh, Orthodox, there's no shidduch crisis in the Hasidic world because people marry in their same age group but in the rest of the Orthodox community where men marry about two to three years younger and there's positive uh, uh, what's it called birth rate so every hundred men that are uh, that are you know ma- that are like like 22 year old men who are looking at to marry 19 year old women or whatever the ages are for every hundred men there are about 112 women and the fact that there's that difference and they think that oh it's a buyer's market so they're taking their time and whatever and that is the total source of the shit of crisis. So, I mean, you... Anyway, so the point is, it's a reality. Sometimes you have to incentivize people. Yeah, eventually people will get married, we hope, but you might have to incentivize, so you're protecting the woman, but you have to make it that it's not a... It's so not a, is that what you're saying? I, I'm just trying to, once again, explain this, because you read this and you don't really give it too much credence. I want to actually make sense. You're creating these five significant financial protections for the woman, but you have to make it that it's not seen as so unsurmountable that, that you know, people are going to push off assuming those obligations. So she doesn't collect from the Mall of America, she collects from the swamp lands in Florida. There you go. Okay, so that's back to what we are, and that's why the discussion is not by the orphans, but by the husband himself. All right, now, Amar Marzutra Breid Rav Nachman, Mishmeid Rav Nachman. Oh, that's good. Okay. Oh, I did. I did eat a drink. Shtarcho Hayote Ali Somim. Now, 
here we're going now we're sort of shifting to the discussion of collecting from orphans and orphans as we said is from Ziborit is from grade C and that's to protect obviously the interests of the orphans we'll see in a minute whether we're talking about whether they're underage or even adults okay so you, he says let's say you've got a uh, uh, you know, a writ. What's that called? The Starkov. There's got to be an English word for it. A promissory note? Okay, anyway, um, you've, got a, you've got this writ of debt that is being brought against orphans. The father borrowed, you know, money. Now, the normal halacha would be you only collect from grade C. But here's the thing. The actual writ itself said, you will be, I am borrowing $10,000 from you, and you will be entitled to have a lien, not only on my grade B, because a normal Bachov, remember, has a lien on grade B, on Benonis. I am promising, I am giving you a lien even on my grade A karka. Okay, that's what I did for you. Or that's what the, uh, that's what the, 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 the debtor did. And then the debtor went up and died. So now, is he entitled to collect grade A karka from the orphans? Because he was already given an explicit upgrade to grade A. Maybe that entitles him to do it even from the orphans. Okay? Nope. You, have, you still have to go down to grade C. That's the halacha. Orphans are always grade C. Amar If I said, Teda, I'll prove it to you. A normal creditor is entitled to grade B. But when it comes to collecting from the orphans, he loses his rights and it goes down to grade C. So here too, even if he was upgraded to grade A, when he comes to the orphans, it's going to go back to grade, he's going to go down to grade C. I know, it's not much of a proof and Rava makes a very strong counter-argument. What type of a comparison is that? Let's actually understand why it is that orphans get grade C. Because, why you collect from orphans grade C? Because from the Torah's perspective, a creditor really is only entitled, even from the person himself, from the debtor himself, only entitled to grade C, Ziboris. Why? Like Ula says, You're the one that uh, is the creditor. You have to stand outdoors. And the man who, who you are, you know, pressing for the loan, he'll bring to you the uh, collateral outdoors. So it sounds like he to- it's totally his choice what to give you as collateral, right? You stay outdoors, and he... You don't want to, like... Well, that's... You know, bursting through... The I understand, but it sounds like he gets to choose. So, what's he entitled to bring out? What was he bring out? He'll bring out his most worthless object. I mean, not worthless, but it will be... It'll be worth the value of the loan, but it won't be a, you know, a high... Re- like something that is, uh, that is high in demand. Okay, now, by the way, as Tosus points out, it's a little bit of an analogy because, actually, we say that chattel, metaltalin, is always considered edis, right? It's always easy, seen to be as easy to move to move metaltalin. By the way, do you know how, this is going back, I realize, a few decades, but people remember the, the shopping channel, one of those early uh, cable networks, I might still be on. Anyway, so apparently the way it started was that some company you know, owed, was, uh, owed money from another company, the other company was going out of business or something, whatever, and all they could pay them with was like, you know, 10,000 widgets or something like that, who knows? You know, you know, and they said, "What are we going to do with all this stuff?" So they basically, like, you know, just found a way to like auction it off or something. They, you know, put it out on TV, and it went like, you know, went like hotcakes. So anyway, so somehow it seemed like chattel is somehow you'll always find a market is always considered to be idis. Okay, so those it it's not exactly the proof of the collateral because that's a case of chattel. But what it shows you is is that the debtor has the right to tell you which, what he is giving you to pay the loan. Okay, and we're going to apply that even to karka. So from there we understand that the Doraisa Halacha is, is that the Bachov only collects from the worst. Okay? So that's the Doraisa Halacha. Okay, Umatam Amru Bachov So why did they therefore say that the creditor collects grade D, middle? For the obvious reason that you've got to incentivize people to lend money, especially if they're following Halacha and they're not collecting interest and the loans are getting annulled and all that stuff. you really got to incentivize them. Okay? But basically the Ikerdin is that they only collect from Ziboris. Okay? The Gabi Yasmi, 
So by the orphans, we just restored it to the Torah halacha. So Rav is saying, here's the reason this guy collects from, or, a normal Baal collects some orphans from Ziboris. Because that's really the Doraisa halacha. So to protect the orphans, we just go back to the, to the Doraisa. That's in a normal case. But here, if you put in the star that you're giving the guy grade A, you're giving him liens on grade A, then from the Torah laws, he's entitled to grade A. You've explicitly indebted yourself. You know, you explicitly created liens in the document. So he, Iker Hadin, is entitled to grade A. So therefore, a few he collected even from orphans. So what Rav is saying is, in a normal case, Bachov goes down from B to C when he's collecting from orphans because he doesn't have any explicit rights that give him B. It's just that's the normal process. And that's actually a rabbinic takana. So when he comes to orphans, he goes back down to the Iker Hadin, which is C. But when he is explicitly in the document and he's been granted the rights to A, then he'll collect that even from orphans. Yes. In a normal contract, I would have thought that if there was supposed to be collateral, it would specify what it is. Right? right. It's not written into it? What the, uh, what, what the liens are? Yeah. No, the liens are on all the real estate, all the holdings this person has. Because you know, but you make a good point, which is, let's say, I explicitly wrote in the document the grade B land. So even though as a Baal that's not giving you more than you already have, but now you don't have it as a Takana, Drabanan, as a Tikkun Olam. Now you have it because I've created those liens in the document. So that type of a case, Rebbe might say the same thing, that that person would collect from the orphans also grade B. Right? Okay, so I understand. That might be shot a pasuk, but that's not how we're reading it. Yes. It's such a clarifying statement that you made a few minutes ago that there's always a market for metalcalis. Right. You can always move that stuff. Right. And get money, get good cash for it. So why is the the why is the foundational concept that liens really are only for real estate, like basically? Because you can always find the real estate. Nobody can hide the real estate. That's why. That's why. It's always there. <laughs> it's always there. You know where it is to collect from. That's a, okay. All right. So now the most just like this. Right. That's the flip part of it. Okay. Flip that was the flip side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now the most just like this. Um, okay. So Rava says that therefore, if it's explicit in the document, then the person collects the same from the orphans. So the Gemara says. But according to Rav, Hatani Avram, isn't this interesting? Somebody had the name of Avram in the Gemara, not Avraham. Avram Chozaa. Avram from Chozor, or Avram the seer. I don't know. He says you can only collect from the orphans from the worst, from grade C. Even if you're collecting for damages. Now, damages, what's the Torah's halacha? A damage is entitled to collect grade A. Right? Nizikin are Dilraisa entitled to grade A. So Rava says the, or when you get the orphans, you're not going to go less than your Dilraisa. Entitlement. So why Nizikin the damages should be collected from grade from grade A from the orphans? Um, so we're going to have a, one of these complicated explanations. They're not complicated, but whatever you know. Anyway, based on the sugya we did the other day, when it says yes, it is it is uh, it is grade C, but there's a time even in case of Nizikin that from a Doraisa perspective you only collect grade C. What would be that? case. The case would be, if you've passed like Rabbi Shmuel, so the determination of the best mitad sadeu is the best of the damagee, not the damager. So there could be a case where you're only collecting, the damagee is only collecting grade C, because that's his best property. Alright? So that's the scenario. Um, he's not going to come out ahead. He can't collect from he, stuff. He can't collect from stuff better than his best field. Than his best field. Yeah. So the best of the nizak of the damage was equal to the was equal to the worst of the mazik. So on a Doraisa level, he's only entitled to the the nizak when he collects. He's only entitled to ziboris, the worst of the mazik, because that's equal to the best of his. From a Torah perspective, we determine it based on the damage. So therefore, that that case Doraisa, he's only entitled to grade C because grade C is the best that he's got. But because of Tikkun Olam, they entitled him to collect grade A. 
The Gabayasmi, but now that he's collecting from the heirs, it goes back to the Doraisa. So that makes this Bright a very special case. The Bright says, even a dam even somebody who's been damaged only collects from grade C from the orphans. And Rabbi says, no, that's a special case when at a Doraisa level you'd only be entitled to grade C. But in cases where at a Doraisa level you'd be entitled to grade A, you would collect from grade A from the orphans. Okay, so we're going to challenge Rav again. I mean, Rav's position makes a lot of sense, but the, the, the evidence is against it. So Gemara says, Any, is this really true? Vatani Rebbe Lezer Nivta'a, these interesting names. Any of this Rebbe Lezer is from the Nebitian or whatever. Nebitians, I guess. Anyway, Any from Minichsa Yisamim Elamini Ziboris. You only collect from the orphans from grade C. Even if it's a case of grade A presumably that you're entitled to grade A so the Gemara says so my if you lay need this what do you mean you only collect from grade C even if it's grade A what does that mean <laughs> and love it must mean it must mean you only collect from grade C even if in the document you're entitled to grade A an exact proof against Rava but it says low. No. My Edis, what does Edis mean? Shafai Edis. Now, I'm going to explain this line because, uh, for simplicity's sake, like Tosos. Tosos says, Shafai Edis means, it means that you could have great, rich, you know, uh, uh, soil, and that's Edis. But right near the river, right near the water, where it constantly is getting sort of like, you know, flooded by the overflow of the river, that's not, that, that property is actually grade C, even though it's part of this great fertile land. That's called Shafai Edis, like the sort of flooded part of the Edis. It's a regular part that says you would regularly put your animals to graze there. That would be like known, that that would be a regular at the edges of the Edis would be property that actually would be grade C. So what actually the Rabbi is saying, you're saying, you're, you're, you're always collecting from the orphan from the orphans from grade C and you can even the Shvai Idis is considered to be Ziboris when you're coming to collect from the orphans okay so we're still talking about a normal case not that Idis was written in the star what he's just saying is included in the Ziboris the grade C that you collect from the orphans is the edge of the property of the Idis which is right by the river which is also considered to be grade C okay Shvai Idis um, which by the way works just better in the grammar it says you always collect from the Ziboris, even if the Ziboris is Edis, right? <laughs> what does that mean, even if the Ziboris is Edis? It means even if it's part of an Edis field, sometimes there could be Ziboris there. Okay? Maya Filein Edis, Shvai Edis, Kidurava, Dama Rava, like a different teaching of Rava. Hezik Ziboris, if you damage the person's, you know, grade C land, go Vamina Edis, he collects grade A. That's the halacha, right? Niza collects from grade A. Shafai Edis, however, if you damaged his Shvaidis, which is the stuff by the river, that is not that's even less than grade C. That's grade C minus. That's grade D. And in that case, Govamina Bainonis. He's not entitled to collect from grade A. Normally, Anizak always collects from grade A, even if you damaged grade C. But if you damage this Shvaidis that is so worthless. That, that's all, that that you can only collect from mi- middle level, from b- grade D. That's opinion. Okay, that's Rava's opinion, which is so bizarre. Like, yeah, I, I mean, whatever. I, I, I can't speak to it. Anyway, so back to the point. So the point is, is that when it says you collect from the, uh, you know, from the Yisomim, you collect from the Ziboris, it means whether that Ziboris is standard Ziboris, or whether that Ziboris is C minus Ziboris, the Shvaitis, that's what you're collecting from the orphans, okay? But bottom line, is all of the evidence is against Rava. Rava's svar makes a lot of sense. Rava says it's not a special takana that we're going to downgrade all debts and only allow them to collect from from you know from from grade C from the orphans. What we're going to say is to protect the orphans, we're going to go back to the Torah halacha, which says that these debts should really only be collected from grade C. But if there's a case where the Torah halacha allows them to be collected from grade A, like it's written explicitly in the star, or it's a case of damages, then Rava would say you could collect that from the orphans as well. Okay? So you understand the Svara, all of the evidence is against it. Rav finds a way to reread those Brightas, but the simple sense of those Brightas is, it doesn't matter what you're entitled to, Midoraita. We're going to protect the orphans and we're just going to give you grade C regardless. Even, grade even if the star says grade A, even if it's a case of Mazik. Meaning Abaye's position is, Rav's position is, all 
all we did for the orphans was we reverted it to the Doraita. Okay? And in cases when Doraita you're entitled to more, you would get it from the orphans. Whereas Abai says no. No matter what you're entitled to, Doraita, for the orphans, we only allow you to collect grade C. So that's the basic debate of Abai and Rafa. So let's take a look now as the Gemara actually finally turns to the case of the orphans. Being in a star, then, you know, even from orphans, would that be binding? I don't know. According to Abaye, it sounds like, I mean, on the one hand, you say, so maybe, I don't know. But Abai sounds like no matter how much you're entitled to it, we're going de- to protect the orphans and only give you grade C. Now let's look directly at the orphan case. So now we've seen this debate of is it because we're reverting to a Doraita or regardless we're only giving you grade C? Now let's see what this is. Now let's see some clarification. So this key raises question. When they said you can only question the orphans grade C, are they talking that they're minors? Or are they talking even if they're adults? They're, look, they're trying to protect the orphans. So, they do it for minors. Minors, their interests are, have to be protected. More, uh, you know, adults can protect themselves. So, therefore, it's only for minors. Oh, Dioma. Or maybe it's not really a takana for the orphans, but it's mishum delo mazik adaita demalva demislova the nafal nichsei kamiyasmi davele noel delus. So meaning, it's not like we made a takana for the orphans. It's the opposite. If you think about fundamentally the case of a loan, right? I'm lending money. Why am I entitled to collect grade B? What did we say that really I should only be entitled to collect grade C? Why am I the the, the creditor entitled to collect grade a, grade B? Because we want to incentivize me, lotino delus. So maybe we didn't feel we needed to incentivize me for the case of, of, uh, of the guy dying. Most of the time, I mean, obviously if I'm a good businessman, I expect, you know, I, I plan for eventualities and I realize the guy might die. But that's, whatever, that's a rare case. I assume I'm going to get my money back before that. I don't need to be incentivized for that case of the guy dying. So you only incentivize me for the normal case. When the guy was alive, you didn't incentivize me for when the guy was dead. And that's why when I collect from the orphans, it's great to see. Not a special takana to protect the orphans. It's an absence of an incentive for me, the creditor. You don't have to incentivize me about that case. If that's the reason, then even if the orphans are adults and they don't need any protection, I just haven't been given that incentive in that case and therefore I'm back to collecting grade C. Do you understand the flip side? Is it a proactive takana to protect the orphans and therefore only when they're minors? Or is it the lack of an incentive for a balchov in that case and therefore it would be, a, now of course, a big navkamin is what if it's not a balchov? What if it's a case of damages like we learned before? Before it said that even damages you only collect from grade C. So it's pretty clear it's a proactive incentive for the orphans, not just an absence, a proactive protection of the, of the orphans, not just the absence of an incentive for the Balcho. Let, 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 hold on, because I just want to see the answer, okay? Okay, Tashma, I mean, whatever, I just want to, while, while people have the question clear in their head. Tashma, Titania by Kishisha, the elder by taught, Yisomim Sha'amu Gedolim Ve'en even adults, which, by the way, is consistent with Abaye, because Abaye from the previous, so you made it very clear that we have a proactive, in, you know, protection of the orphans. All right. The Dioma the Gemara says, one minute. That was the halacha that if you're coming to collect a debt from orphans, you have to make an oath. The oath is, I'm making an oath that your, that your father never paid up this debt. So when I have to make that oath to the orphans, it doesn't matter if they're minors or adults. They don't know directly the business of their father, and therefore I should have to make that oath to them regardless. So that idea that I, that I, that I make an oath whether they're adults or minors, that then comes to an oath. That even if he's an adult, when it comes to dealing with his father's business, he's like he's a minor. What does he know about his father's business? So therefore, I have to make a shvu to him regardless. But maybe when it comes to grade C, we're back to our question. Maybe I would only do that for minors and not for adults. So, so the Gemara says, what? Meaning, for the idea that I would have to make an oath to, when halachas apply to orphans, is it even adult orphans or only minors? Right. So if the halacha is you have to make an, an oath to orphans that the debt has not been paid off, the debt you're coming to collect, of course it has to be to adults. They don't know their father's business dealings. But when it's coming to tell me that I can only collect from grade C property, maybe that's limited to minors because maybe it's a protection for, my, for, a protection for the orphans and only the minors need that protection. The adults don't need that protection. If it's been established that the money is owned, right, is owed, 
So we, why do you have to protect adults to not allow me to collect my grade B property? Okay, so the Gemara says, The Hilchul Zalalach is, Yesomim Sha'amru Gedolim, the Aintar Chlomer Ketanim, Bein Lashua Bein Lizzi Boris. This idea that the orphans is only grade C, doesn't matter if they're adults or minors, doesn't matter if we're talking about a Shrua where it makes sense it applies to adults, even when we're talking about collecting grade C karka, I'm, I can, oh, I, even, and even if some uh, orphans are adults, I only collect from grade C, I do not collect from grade B. Now, I do have to tell you, Michael, I'll get to that second, that the logic of that in the Gemara, I think I missaid it a minute ago, but the logic of that in the Gemara is, is that it's not a proactive uh, protection of orphans. If it was a proactive protection of orphans, it would only apply to minors. The logic of it is, as the Gemara said, it's the lack of an incentive for the Baal Since we don't have to incentivize the Baal for that case, when he comes to collect from orphans, even if they're adults, he's only collecting grade he's only collecting grade C but if that's true what would be the case if it wasn't about incentivizing the Baal what's the case about Nezek right so it doesn't really fit with the previous Gemara because the previous Gemara said in the case of damages which is not about incentivizing the Baal we also only let, let him collect grade C so these Gemaras don't seem to totally be working in sync one the earlier Gemara that applied it to the case of damages seemed to be it was a proactive protection of the orphans but this Gemara is saying if that was the case it would only apply to minor so this what that's by the Shvua that's by the Shvua so this Gemara is saying that if it was a proactive protection of the orphans it would only apply to minors um, and, but, but it seems from the previous Gemara that's what it was because it applied even to cases of damages but this Gemara is saying it's the absence of an incentive for the case of Balchov and therefore at least in the case of Balchov he doesn't collect even if it's adult orphans he only collects from grade yeah, 3 yeah I understand like, the, the scope of this is this only in a case where the loan became due after the guy died and then just swearing that he didn't already collect and pay earlier or is it like let's say this has been a court case for years and they right. for tracking him and then he dies and he, then I'm still only entitled to like you know grade C even though like totally well no 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 the idea that the guy might have paid was um, you know there, there are some exceptions to that that where it's clear from the, from the from events during the guy's life that it hadn't been paid that that could exempt me from a shrua that's true okay um, but um, the case about the grade C um, that wouldn't matter I mean he, you know I mean you're just saying like what does it mean to protect the orphans once it's been I mean this is a question I've got like if it's the lack of providing me an incentive in that case okay whatever you didn't provide me the incentive we're back to the Iker Adin that I only collect grade C but if it's protecting why do the orphans have to be protected if I had to make a shvua and once it's been proven that the money really is owed to me right so unless the feeling is like look even if it's grade B karka maybe I can you know there's different types of grade B a lot of things could be rated grade B and some could be much better than, than others so you know there's still a concern that you'll take it and even if the orphans have some type of an apotropis right it's, they're still not handling their own affairs so maybe there's some concern that you'll take advantage but if you're only collecting from within the range of grade C karka there's less opportunity to take advantage the of them I don't think that matters what difference does it matter even if it's established that the money is totally owed to you what? Because then someone will just push it off. Yes! Yes, but hopefully the court system won't let the person do that. I mean, you're right. I mean, you're right. That's Which is basically means, what do you mean you don't have to incentivize a guy for a case of death? If somebody is smart and knows his business, he, he thinks about those eventualities and he wants those incentives for the case of the guy dying. So I don't know the answer to that. But you're right. Somebody might try to push it off until he dies. <laughs> and then at least protect his orphans in this way. I don't know. Okay. <sighs> Finally now, we move to another stage of the Mishnah, which is, I mean, we're still just about collecting debt, which is about that you, could, you cannot collect from encumbered property that's been sold to a third party as long as the, the debtor has actually still property under his name. Don't go to any third party who was sold to who you got liens on you first have to try to collect any assets that the person might still have okay even if they're going to see of lower quality so I'm a creditor I'm entitled to grade B Michael here sold off all of his grade B carca to someone else I want that grade B carca but it doesn't matter if he still has grade C I have to collect straight from Michael okay so let's take a look so so this Ami is still asking questions and here's what he asks let's say Michael doesn't give, sell his grade B property he gives it away 
Okay? So what's the story? So why can't I collect that grade B property that Michael sold that I'm entitled to? Is it that the rabbis were saying, look, though, you're really entitled to collect that grade B property, but we have to protect people who buy land, right? People who buy land can't be worried that, uh, that, that, that they're going to turn around and somebody's going to seize it with a debt. So they need to be told that as long as the person they bought it from still has some assets, they're only going to be gone to as a last resort. That makes a lot of sense, right? If you want people to buy land, you have to tell them that this land will all, the, 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 uh, the, what do you call it, the liens will only be exercised as a last resort. If that's the reason of a matana of the Lekip State of Lukuchos, well, so that's in terms of people buying land. But a gift? Gifting land? You, so, since when do we have to do something to protect somebody who's receiving a gift? Alright? Nebuch. You got a gift, and it might be that somebody will use his liens to collect it. Maybe we don't have to protect you. So maybe I'm allowed to use my liens to collect the grade B from somebody who received the gift, even if Michael has property. Or do we say, Matananami? No, even a Matana is something we want to protect. Why? He loved the lo Matana. People don't stop give gifts randomly. Why do they give gifts? They give gifts because they received something. I mean, not necessarily, it was not necessarily transactional. The person might have been a good friend. He might have been whatever, you know. But it's part of the nature of the society in which we live that these are things that uh, gifts are given out of expressions of gratitude. It's some type of a, there's some type of a, you know, of, of, again, not, I don't want to overly transactionalize it. But there's some sense that it's an institution we want to protect. Just the same way we want to protect the institution of buying and selling. There's some sense that you got something from this person and you want to express your gratitude by giving a gift and we don't want that, is that undermined by the fact that somebody's going to seize the land. So we're going to, we protect not only people who buy land, we even protect people who receive land as gifts. And therefore, even in that case, I have to go to Michael, I can't collect, I can't seize the property. It's just like a purchaser losing out the, you know, his purchase. Here too, the guy lost out his gift that to some degree he was entitled to. So the Gemara says, So that's the question. Does it apply in the case of gift? Now, this guy doesn't have, if he added up 4, 3 into his, uh, what, 9. This guy doesn't have 900 zoos. He's only got 700 zoos. So you don't say, well, first give Ruvain, then anything left give Shimon, then anything left give Lim. You don't say that. Because you can't say all those three words at the same time, and they were different amounts. Right? So we don't say that just because you mentioned one guy first means he's the first guy to get well, the money. Right? That'll be the next phase. So therefore, you divide the money equally, even if there's not enough. Now, what does it mean equally? So Rashi says, well, what you do is, right, you basically say there's, you divide it into nine units and this guy gets two, this guy gets three, and this guy gets four of the nine units. Okay. Right. If somebody has a debt, has a, has a, um, you know, money is owed to him and he's seizing some of the property, they all lose out proportionally. It's not just that the last guy loses out because the last guy's the last guy to get. No, no, no. They all get at the same time and if you have to deduct from the total amount money that goes to pay off debts, then they lo- all lose out proportionally. Aval, imamar, but if he said, the acharav leploni, first give 200 to Ruben, and after, if there's anything left, give 300 to Shimon. The acharav leploni, if there's anything left, give 400 to Lazy, Omin If he said Acharav, then you distribute it, you know, you first give the full amount to Ruvain, anything left to Shimon, anything left to Lazy. If, 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 if money is owed to some creditor, it's only the last guy who loses out. You understand why it's the last guy who loses out? Because you, the whole estate gets less now. You look at it as that money was already owed to the creditor. And now, you know, you first give to Ruvain, then Shimon, if because there's less because of the Shtarchov, Levi is losing out. Okay? Ain lo, and if 
there's not, and if after, even after Levi gave up all his property, there's not enough to pay up the debt, Govan Yisrael Shalafanov, you go back to Shimon. Ain lo, and even if Shimon gave up all the property he received, it's not enough for the debt. Govan Yisrael You go all the way back to Reuven. So that's the Brita. So what we're going to see tomorrow, we'll have to end here, is how that Brita is, because that's a case of a gift. The guy is dying, right? It's a case of a gift. And we're going to see how that Brita is going to be evidence that whether in a case of a gift do we tell me that I can, ha, can only collect from the principal from the person who actually I borrowed the money from me or am I even entitled in the case of a gift to collect from the land that was sold even if the person the original person has money has assets to his name so we'll pick up with that tomorrow